As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Grimaldi Podcast. Yes, Ben Sandick here. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I'm in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine to deal with all the fun stuff that's going on with the commanders uh also here with me in indianapolis jp finley with uh i can't even keep track 1067 the fan nbc nbc uh four in dc we're going to talk for a moment here about all the things that ron rivera had to say here and some of the football moves also in the show kevin sheehan from the team 980 and i talked about the dan snyder of it all we went into all the different news and what we make of that so uh, we'll get to all that in a second of course download the podcast itunes spotify wherever you do the podcasting and check out the athletic i'll have a story up today kind of recapping the last 24 hours of craziness with this team um but joining me right now to, to help me uh i don't know make sense of whatever's going on with here is uh jp finley what what, what is your handle at jp Finley. Finley NBCS. Yes, that's correct. Look at that. By memory, I don't even, I'm not even looking at it. What a guy. Well, you know, I follow you on Twitter. You tweet a fair amount, so I'm aware of what's going on. Um, how are you? I feel like you know, you're, you're sitting here, you're waiting to do some TV stuff, but I think like like me, you're feeling like a bit. So it already feels like you've been here for a month. Yeah, dude. It's just it's been a long news cycle, and I think you know there's so much stuff with the ownership thing that is almost contra- contrary reports to one another that. I think so much of that is BS, and then the big ESPN thing hits this morning, and I don't think that's BS. And then you're trying to balance it out with football. Like, I mean, imagine Bears reporters trying to dig into, are they keeping fields? Are they are they trading the pick? Are they doing something with Bryce? Or a buddy of mine covers the Colts, and it's like, yeah, man, we might try to trade up. We think we can get a good player where we are, like all, all those sorts of things. And then we just don't get to do any of that, even though there has been news. You got new coaches. Deron Payne gets tagged. Carson Wentz gets released. I I don't think anything. The the troubling is like nothing's unexpected, right? The Wentz thing had to happen. The Payne thing we all thought was going to happen. And then the the coaching hires are kind of further down the, the food chain and not really any great surprise. And. You know, I, I know you were grinding out a Rashad Wild Goose blog, but I'm not sure that that 
makes the six o'clock news on Channel Four. It was more of a Milo Eifler uh, takeaway, but yeah, fair, uh, fair point to guys that they have kept around. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Like I was in in our business, they say when you're covering a team, you want that team to be really good or really bad because that's where the people get excited. The problem here is they're in the middle. Every year they finish 500. And then on top of that, we know the fan base is largely apathetic. So it's the worst of all worlds. And then on top of it, they're picking 16th in the draft, which is not doesn't look like a particularly dynamic draft. So it's like hard to even get worked up over, you know, what they might do there. So, yeah, there's a lot of like, eh, all right, I guess. The league literally made it harder I, I, if you had, if I had to guess, I would think the league thought they made it impossible for a team to go 500, and yet this team went 500. They play an odd number of games and they still went 500. It, maybe you got to tip your hat. I don't know. Ron, Ron today in the in the scrum we did said, you know, we kept our head above water and I feel like we're in a good position. It's like, all right, man. I, I guess you did. I, because you're right, like they haven't been bad, as disappointing as some of the stuff has been, and the loss and the decision to go back to Carson, that Cleveland game was just a disaster. But I mean, I, I, I'll still go into this year thinking they might be a playoff team. They could get to a wild card spot. We have no idea what they have in Howell, but yeah, it's just like aggressive mediocrity, and has been for some time. Aggressive mediocrity. That seems like a good band name. Um, or at least an album name. <laughs> All right. So uh, Ron Rivera spoke at the podium today, and then he did a quick side session with those of us that are here. Um, let's just go through some of that real quick. I'll ask you what your most what what your most surprising thing or most interesting thing of the day, and to the point of it's not that exciting stuff. Um, I, I've been eyeing Logan Thomas as a possible, if I say likely cap cut, not based on something I'd heard, just my own interpretation, but when asked about the tight ends today, because this is a particularly good tight end class this year, Ron Rivera said actually he likes it, but then he went in to say that, hey, Logan Thomas, um, you know, it takes a while to get over the, the, the knee surgery, which is, of course, fair, but he's got a decent, pretty good cap hit uh, number, so I thought you could maybe release him and then just figure out something else. Sounds like they're going to keep him, and then I think they do like the Armani Rogers, Cole Turner potential with John Bates as a blocker. So it looks to me, based on that, um, that they may that may be the force and they bring back. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I buy much of what he said at the podium, but you're right. He definitely gave the indication, like, yeah, no, Logan's our guy and he'll be back. The, it is a big number attached there, and, and you do wonder, I think he's 32, will the production be there? But Logan's also a great locker room guy, and maybe that matters it definitely to Ron. Does. Yeah. Um, so I, I, he's he's an interesting one. I think you could argue Leno's kind of an interesting one. I don't know that you can replace Leno. It, a lot of it depends on who falls to that 16th pick. If one of these stud tackles fall, that gets interesting. Kind of, I asked him about Cosme bumping inside, and he was non-committal. But I kind of feel like being non-committal means they're going to try to make him a guard. Maybe I'm crazy, but if he's a tackle, you just say it. We drafted him to be a tackle. He's a tackle. I mean, how often does somebody who can do either that you want them to be a tackle? Yeah. And they keep inching him towards being a guard. Now, obviously, you're right. If it's, six, if it's 16, 
there is a tackle there that that would make a lot of sense. If in their second round they didn't take a tackle and there's a guard there that they really like, well, then maybe just leave Cosby there. You Of course, there are two guards, and I'm sort of at the moment leaving Andrew Norwell there, but that obviously could change. But, yeah, the Cosby thing I think is going to be – because we're all trying to project what they do at the line, where Cosby lands is obviously a big deal. Well, in the center – Ron seems very concerned, I would say rightfully so, about the center's position. Um, I, I believe Rie's played 10 games in the last two years. Larson's been hurt when he's got on the field. you got to – I think you've got to address that position. To me, that's one of the few places I expect them to go in free agency. You need somebody with a history of playing and durability and maybe even a backup in the same vein. And, and that's not – I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money. I don't think it's going to be a very exciting offseason, frankly. But I, I do think they'll have to spend a little bit of money at center. One question we had when I was on radio earlier, you think they sign a free agent to a more than $10 million AAV? And I guess Payne would technically be. Well, okay, Payne, yes, on the tag. If, it, but if you're saying a multi-year deal for more than 10 I would say no. Me too. Which is really staggering. I bet no other team in the NFL does that. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, without, like I said, without getting into too much of the Snyder stuff right here, the biggest takeaway for me with the ESPN report was a big, big spotlight on the fact that the finances are really been, the, to some degree, the overlooked aspect of that whole thing. And his money issues are leading to what's going to happen here with the football side. And I think we're going to probably see that play out here um, over the next little bit. Um, I asked Ron today about free agency, and he kind of said, yeah, you know, business as usual. And then he said, fair deals. I mean, that doesn't sound like – and we kind of see them – we've kind of seen them be a little conservative anyway before this latest news. Fair, fair deals doesn't sound like me when I go to Vegas on a bender. So, yeah, I, I, that, 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 that's when you're freewheeling. I don't feel a lot doing that. Um, quarterback, so you mentioned how just for fun – I've talked about this, and I'm sure you have as well – who is the quarterback they're going to get? I know there's been, if he says a veteran, which is what he said today, some people might think, oh, Derek Carr, that or that level. That's not happening. I, like we both just said, I don't see any deal over $10 million. So ultimately, we'll come down Derek to... Derek Carr's not happening. I don't think Derek Carr's happening. Uh, we talked before, uh, about, before about Garoppolo. I would think he gets more than that. So I've been, I wrote the other day, this is a dart throw, but I said Gardner Minshew. He's... A little bit better than Heineke, arguably. Same type of player. You can bring him off the bench, and he can play if he has to. But you could throw out a couple guys. There's been one of these sort of uh, deeper-cut guys you right now would put your chips on. Yeah, I mean, the Gardner Minshew one's interesting. I I think Heineke is still interesting. Ron keeps bringing him up. Um, I believe they like Jimmy Garoppolo, but that may go north of our, you know, final price. So... I don't I mean, I don't think it's going to be particularly exciting, whatever it is. Um, I, I'm not going to rule out Heineke. The Mariota thing's interesting. I don't think he's a very good passer, which is a fairly integral part of the position. Um, who knows, though, man? Baker? Tyrod? Like, I mean, who knows? But that's that's the water they're fishing in, I think. Like this is like it's like I just asked you, <laughs> what would you rather do for what do you want to watch on TV, Matlock or like Beretta? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, would you like to eat cabbage or beets for dinner? 
Um, how is it going, by the way, anyway? Like, you know, the times I do radio, I don't get a ton of calls on the weekend. So I, if, if that's the pulse of the fan base, obviously we're all on Twitter, so I see that. But the, everybody there tends to be angry. What do you th- Where do you think people are at right now? Do, does anybody care about anything other than Snyder? Or they're, you know, are, are people still hopeful? Like, what's your sense when you're talking to people? You know what makes the today's report, like, extra bad is I think after the enemy hire... I think people are legit. I think fans locally are legit excited about Howell. Yeah. I feel like vibes were high. I feel like it was everybody was legit feeling good. And I think now the biggest problem or concern is just what's going to happen with Dan. You got to be able to get rid of this guy. Will he go? And if if he goes, then I think everybody's thrilled frankly but if he doesn't and this stuff just continues and drags on even if it drags on into this next season i think it's just going to be a real real life suck out of the organization yeah I, I, as i'm sure it happens to you everybody around here you know we have the whole athletic team here we see other people we know everybody wants to know do we think he's going to sell right doesn't really matter what i think i can't even imagine if somehow the end result were to be, or at least the attempt would be, that he's going to sell a minority share, which I've heard some people still think that's what's going to happen. Um, can you, I, I, I mean, legitimately rise in the street. Like, I don't say that. I'm not even saying that hyperbolically. I can't even comprehend. People are so down that if he were to not, like, right now they're hanging on to this sale. Can you, I just can't even imagine. We did a, a segment earlier in the week where we took calls and, you know, what would you do if Dan doesn't sell? And one dude called. He said, "Total anarchy, burn the streets down." And I was like, "All right, yeah, I'm not Maybe endorsing. Take it, yeah, yeah. Take, take it back a notch." Yeah, I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying, like, you know, we we, we see people do I things. Don't see, I think it's happening. I, I, I think the NFL, I think the league recognizes a huge problem. And if he doesn't sell, and it, you know, Howell doesn't turn into. Patrick Mahomes, there's gonna be ten people there. I, 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 I don't think there's any other viable option. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, so we're gonna, so we're here at the combine, uh, presumably to watch prospects. We're on, we're talking on Tuesday. All that stuff happens with the players starting tomorrow, Wednesday. I, I know you're uh, not staying here through the end of the week. Neither am I. Which is when the quarterbacks and the offensive players will be. That said, is there anybody at the, by the end of the week you're going? I really kind of interested to see for that guy, Washington or even just in general, that you're kind of intrigued to see what what transpires with a player or two um, coming out of this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Bryce Young guy. I think he's really, really good, but his weight I think will be like a Kyler Murray height thing was a couple of years ago. And I remember when Murray walked in here, I was standing by the door and I was like, "Damn, he is short." Um, the the other guy. And, I mean, there's a million prospects, right? But I thought um, the kid Hooker from Tennessee, which is such a great story of perseverance and kind of sticking with it. And I remember when he was playing at Virginia Tech. And, I mean, that team was loaded. I, I thought he was really, really good. And then he gets the late injury, and it just sucks for him. So I, a guy like that is somebody I'm definitely going to be rooting for. And, I mean, he's not a probably a first day prospect at all but you wonder if you're able to put all that together i'm i read this somewhere so i want to credit that person but i don't remember who it was somebody said to watch out for stetson bennett 
getting drafted by the Ravens now that Todd Munkin's there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd find that pretty interesting. Um, I mean, all over the draft, you got interesting pieces. I, I suppose professionally, I'm trying to zero in on these corners and figure out who the best one is because it sure seems like that's what the commanders are going to do with, the, with their first pick at 16. But I haven't dug too much into it. I mean, it. Yeah. No, no, nothing happened, and that's the thing. To your point, to sort of tie it all together, everybody else is here to do exactly that. Who are some of the guys I want to watch? And we're all like, you know, I mean, literally since 3:30 this morning, running around um, to do that. All right, last thing, most important. You are a listed BCC famous alumni on Wikipedia. You love Brandon. I- well, I, I love it for one. It, it it shows that the people are paying attention to modern things, and two, I'm not on this list. Now, I don't warrant being on this list, but but I want to know how to get there. Well, what 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 are my goals? Any I got to do two a days. What what do I need to do to get this done? You're such a pain in the ass. Um, I don't. I'm pulling up. I don't even know that this is accurate. I'm trying to pull it up. It is 100. percent I mean, like did, like did somebody contact you and say, hey, we're putting you on? No. I've not been contacted whatsoever. I don't know if there's like a search committee. I mean, you know. I don't know. I got out of there with like a decent GPA, decent SATs. Oh, well, if that's the case, I, I got no shot. I wasn't always the best student. I may have gotten into a little bit of trouble at sure. various times. Sure, sure. So I, I did go back there. I don't remember. I'm not even on here. Oh, you are. BCC famous alumni. You're definitely on the list. I would never, I would never make up something like that. Oh, there's a media section. Mm-hmm. But I'm in red, which probably means that it it could be like remo- removed. Eh, I don't know, but like, look, there's like, like, uh, who, who we got here? I mean, look, John Harwood, longtime White House reporter. Charles Lane, if anybody who saw the Poland, Peter Rosenberg. Right, it, it, Charles Lane, the movie. Um, oh crap, I'm blanking on the name. The the the, the, the dude who lied, who 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 uh, fibbed on all his stories for the Atlantic. Um, Laura Hillenbrand, who wrote uh, Sea Biscuit, she's on that list. Joe Urso, he was in school when I was in school. Joe Urso's on there. He was a quarterback. Colin Martin is my friend Aaron Martin's little brother. He's in MLS. Um, yeah, I'm just saying there's some people here, and there's like politicians and all that kind of stuff. The, the former governor of Iowa is on this list, and there's a you know local media star. So I don't know. I'm just saying if you you know. If you have if you have any insight, I'd like to uh, you know figure out what I need to do. That's I all I'm saying. I, I have no insight, but thank you to whoever runs the Wikipedia page for encouraging for including me, and maybe you should include Ben so I don't get this awkward line of questioning again. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying I don't force it. I'm not saying I want special attention or treatment. I'm just saying let me know what I need to do. <laughs> I work for it. I'm I'm, here's, I'm a here's worker. Here's a question. Uh, Sheehan went to Whitman, right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're about to go to Sheehan? Yes. Oh, you want to see if Kevin Sheehan's on there? Yeah. I mean, we have really started to play to a very small audience of people in Montgomery County. Now. Oh, right. We're we're down to five people. Uh, Kevin Sheehan is uh, gonna be on deck, so we'll, we'll talk to Dan Snyder. Um. All right. Well, you're still recording. I thought you stopped it. I paused and I stopped it. We'll 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 we'll, we'll figure it. We'll we'll figure it all in the editing room. All right, uh, go. Of course, you already do this anyway all the time, but go check JP Finley and, and Brian Mitchell. 10 to 2 weekdays on 106.7. Uh, JP's on on NBC4. He is the hardest working man in town. My guy, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, always. Thanks, Benny. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. As promised, joining me here on the podcast, of course, uh, the great Kevin Sheehan, morning host on the Team 90. What do you mean? You say nice things about me that I, that I can't handle. I know, but I don't ever say the great Ben standing. Well, maybe you should. Because, A, I don't feel that about <laughs> you. I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, let's not oversell the guest. Let's, <sighs> let's, let's, let's keep the bar low so maybe I can step over it. Well, maybe I'm saying great because I need some optimism in my life. It's been a journey here over the last uh, 30 hours or so. Just like when you think, you know, we can't have another crazy three or four day period or whatever. Here, here, here we go. We've, we've had one of those. Um, it's been a whirlwind since Saturday, certainly for me. Um, and we had a lot of news over the last uh, day. Obviously, uh, more Dan Snyder news in terms of his status as the owner of this team and, and uh, business practices in the past. They franchise tag Deron Payne, which we knew, but didn't necessarily know what happened at 3.30 in the morning uh, on Tuesday. Uh, they released Carson Wentz. Again, we knew that was coming. And, you know, a myriad of other things as well. Ron Rivera talked today at the Combine, which is where I am. I don't even almost know where to begin. So since you're the guest, I'll let you kind of pick. Where, where, where well, would you what like I, to start? But, I mean, did he kind of back off Sam? I know he said Sam Howell QB1, but it's going to be a competition. I can't honestly keep up with, you know, Rivera these days because I think he just tries to he just says what's on his mind in the moment. I don't think he remembers what he said a week ago. But obviously, the number one story, and the only thing that really matters, is when is Dan going to sell, and when are we going to get the new owner on board, um, so that you know the fortunes of the franchise, would have, which have been you know in a dumpster for nearly a quarter of a century, can you know at least have a chance of changing. You and I have, been, have talked for years and. I've really emphasized over the last couple to, to, to the people that would say, well, you know, all they've got to do is do this, and, you know, and then it would work even if Dan's the owner. No, he's been the problem for a quarter century. I mean, you've got enough data, you know, over the, the, the last 24 years to know that as long as he's here, it will never, ever work for, you know, a sustained period of time. Period of time. I mean, you got a chance to every once, every four or five years, playing a playoff game. Um, but as long as, he is, as he's here, even if you get the great quarterback, he'll find a way to screw it up. If you get the great coach, he'll find a way to mess it up. So that's, you know, to me, more than anything, as a lifelong fan, I'm looking forward to a new beginning um, in kind of the post-Dan Snyder era to see where it goes. And I hope some things accompany that. Um, for me, anyway, uh, it's important that you know they they hire football people, let them do the job, that they get a stadium downtown, that they pull back this ridiculous name and ridiculous you know dress up <laughs> around the name, and um, you know, and, and then let's see how many people come back. I think just by Dan leaving, a lot of people are coming back, but I think there's a lot more to it. All right. Well, let me ask you this. So basically, there were 
it, just in terms of Dan Snyder, you'll tell me if I'm forgetting something. There were basically three stories over the last 72 hours. Um, we at The Athletic, you know, confirmed and added a little bit more to the idea that Dan Snyder is keeping Jeff Bezos out of the bidding of, of that. that. That's one. That's automatically going to be the, the least interesting of the three. But nonetheless, it's notable because of obviously who's going to buy the team. Jeff Bezos, you would think, would be somebody that would be involved. But at the moment, Dan Snyder is at least fronting that, that, that Bezos would be out. The, the second story, which came out Monday night from the Washington Post, um, basically said that if Dan Snyder is talking to the league about possibly selling, he is saying he wants to be, uh, I forget the exact wording that they use, but basically he wants to be protected, should identify, yet should there be any additional information that comes out, I guess whether that's the Mary Jo White investigation, or perhaps the story that came out today from ESPN, which is about a really detailed story. I'm not even going to scratch the surface on all the details, but essentially that Dan Snyder had this secret $55 million loan that he apparently kept um, a secret from his former minority partners. And when those minority partners ultimately sold to Dan Snyder, Roger Goodell in the NFL, along with Bank of America, approved they had approved that $55 million loan unbeknownst to these minority owners. They attempted to have some sort of a hearing about this about not knowing and, and what that meant that ultimately it, it led to uh, a, a uh, I guess what an arbitration run by Roger Goodell that they sold their shares and that's that's where that is which of those three do you think is the most notable uh, I, I don't know like I, I've been trying to just sort of take all of it and put it together and try to you know kind of okay what's the big takeaway the big takeaway more than anything else from the last couple of days by the way that was a that was a ronism you just dropped there more than anything else but go ahead sorry um yeah there's something else that he always says too um whatever i'll think of here in a moment but i think that the, the big takeaway from just not only the last 72 hours but the last few months but really specific to the van Matta story he has to sell can't afford to keep the team. You know, this has been going on for a while now where the team has been struggling financially, certainly as compared to other teams. Cash flow has been a major problem. It's affected, by the way, football decisions. You and I talked about last summer, you know, why did it take so long for the Terry McLaurin extension? Well, because they wanted to wait as long as they could before they had to put the money in escrow for the guaranteed money. You know, the, the, I'm sure it's impacted recent, you know, deals with, with players and contracts, et cetera. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, well, I even this year, we'll see what happens, but we're talking about the term budget for the first time uh, for like maybe almost like in forever under Dan Snyder, because there does seem to be this notion that, you know, Ron Rivera is going to front that they may, that there'll be players in free agency. And I don't know if I believe it, but Dan Snyder's finances are why I wouldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've heard here in recent years that the way they travel has changed, the way they, you know, spend, uh, you know, uh, meals, uh, you know, on the road, road trips, you know, everything's been slowly changing. This has been a team that's really struggled financially in, in their specific industry, which is the NFL. And it's amazing because it's gone from, you know, one of the, the second biggest revenue generator in sport when he bought the team to now a bottom revenue generator with the lowest you know, season ticket base. And really, their overall net revenue 
is kind of compared with smaller market teams. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've said so many times over the years, like, Wharton should do a case study on <laughs> how to, you know, literally chase a rabid fan base away in two decades or less. I mean, he's done it. He's done the impossible. It's probably his greatest accomplishment when you think about it because it was so impossible to pull off to imagine that, you know, 20 years ago we'd be sitting here with the lowest attendance in the league, the lowest percentage of capacity in the league, some of the lowest local television ratings in the league. It's just amazing what he's, what he's been able to pull off. So my big wait, wait, by, is, by the way, just in terms of that yeah. point, I, I'm sure the other teams had waiting lists for season tickets, but you, it was always mentioned with this team. Yeah. It was every yeah. broadcast of Summer All in Madden or whatever. So right. It was always mentioned, and you know now it's the literal opposite. Well, you know, this year, it being the 40-year anniversary of Super Bowl seventeen the 50-year anniversary of the first time they went to a Super Bowl, I've gone back and looked at you know, some of the key games, especially 40 years ago, and then you know, the Doug Williams year as well. And you, you, you get the like the beginning of these CBS broadcasts, and it's like sold out for the 167th straight time, the toughest venue in the league, RFK Stadium. And it just brings you back to those days. But nobody wants to hear about that. I mean, I, I think the biggest takeaway is Anybody that thinks that, oh, he's not going Bezos, oh, he's digging his heels in, he's not going to get his number, I think that's just wrong. I think he has to sell. I don't think he can afford to keep the team. And then, you know, on top of that, I think family has really, you know, put their feet down, collected feet down and said, enough is enough. And, by the way, can you imagine this market already is one of the lowest earners for the league. It's barely viable. Can you imagine if you pulled the rug out and said, no, I'm actually staying? I mean, I, I mentioned today that the, you know, the, the thousand to 2,000 people on Twitter that, that told people like you and me that we were crazy to, to question the Carson Wentz deal or, the, or criticize the Carson Wentz deal or even to suggest that the enemy didn't have any other options, which is one of the reasons he's here. Like, those people would be the only people left if he pulled the football away before we went to kick it. No one else. You know, there would be a legitimate boycott, which you know you could never pull off really because people love the NFL. And when the season starts, you're like, all right, I'm going to give it another you know, swing. But they're down to, they'd be down to those, you know, those Twitter people who told, you know, continued to tell people, get on board or get out. They, they'd be the only ones left, you know, the people that go to Harvest Fest and the draft day party. Um, that's number one. He has to sell. That's the great news. There's going to be a parade when he sells this team. Um, the other thing that really struck me in the Van Natta story in particular is just how clear it's been, been that he's done this to himself. Like, you know, he and Tanya have played the victim role. Like, it's, it's always somebody else's fault. But this dude's best punch He's punching himself in the face, which he does over and over again. Like, it starts with the way he treats people and, you know, the way he treated his minority shareholders bit him in the backside. You know, they started to look at things more closely. They found the audit. They found the $55,000 loan that they didn't... $55 million. $55 million, excuse me, the $55 million credit line that they didn't approve. Um, he stopped paying them. Um, you know, he wouldn't let them sell 
their shares because he didn't want new investors doing due diligence on the, you know, on, on the books. Um, and then, you know, the group email set off the, you know, the, the Mary Jo White and the House Oversight Reform Committee investigation, which led to Jason Friedman, which led to all the, you know, he just does it to himself over and over again. And, you know, not to mention the, the, the group emails that we all assume he uh, put out there. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the cause of where he is today. That combined with the way he treated his minority shareholders, you know, which ultimately, by the way, you could also say that Fred Smith specifically and Federal Express, that the, the deterioration of, of the relationship he had with Fred Smith contributed to the loss of the team name back in July of 2020 because it was Federal Express that put that press release out that basically opened the floodgates for corporate dollars turning their back on the team if they didn't change the name. It was always going to be corporate pressure, not, you know, media or progressives, you know, um, progressive, uh, uh, you know, left-wing liberal media pressure that was going to make him change his name. That wasn't going to do it. It was going to be corporate, you know, takeaways of, of, of revenue. And if he had treated his corporate, you know, his co-investors better, then maybe Fred Smith doesn't, you know, start that ball rolling. Now, it may have happened eventually anyway, but this dude punched himself in the face so many times. Like, he was in the clear with the name for, you know, for, you know, a while after the 2016 Post uh, story that indicated that 90% of Native Americans that were finally, Native Americans were finally polled and said they didn't have a problem with the name. He was in the clear of the Wilkinson investigation before the Gruden emails leaked, you know, to the Wall Street Journal and then to the New York Times. And both of those things, you know, just came back. Um, the way he treated his, his, his investors and, and minority shareholders and the Gruden emails basically put him in this spot. But ultimately, it's just his overall disposition and the way he's treated people and run his business over the years. I mean, Tommy's favorite saying is the passage of time has never done Dan Snyder very, very well. Like, it's just always, so if it wasn't this, it was going to be something else. But the specific reason he's in this position now is because of the things that he's done to himself. And that's kind of just um, poetic justice. 100%, 100%, even if you go back to the very beginning of the, of the tenure, right? Firing Marty Schottenheimer after right. after a successful eight and eight year because of the way they finished because he seemingly wasn't having fun being put in the corner he wanted to be GM and you know it, it goes goes kind of from there um of the stories that have just come out I think for me like obviously the ESPN story that you mentioned Don, the Don, uh, by Don Vanatta who you know, does a really good job with these types of stories it's easily the most the juiciest it's got the most in there it talks about how Dan Snyder was basically using the uh, the, the team. Um, as his own personal piggy bank, uh, giving himself a $10 million salary, a whole bunch of other things. Um, I, I, that said, I, I did show it to uh, someone I know who's a lawyer who specializes in the, these types of deals. And he said, just, you know, obviously it's only based on what's in the article. He said he didn't really think there was that much there, at least from a criminal perspective. Um, and well, you know, I, I, hopefully I, I look to have a, a legal person on here in the, day, in the next day or so. I'm sure you probably have, if you haven't already, you will. Um, to do the same. The one I thought, though, the Washington Post story was a little more interesting from the longer term perspective, because that, in that one, and again, correct me if what I'm 
leaving out here, but basically that is saying, not that he's necessarily saying I'm going to sell the team, but that he is saying to the NFL, look, if you want me to sell this team, you guys are going to have to, um, you know, protect me from anything that, that were to come. And I, it feels like that's a line that the league may be like, well, look, we would love to get rid of you, but I don't know if we're, you know, we, we, there's only, you know, there may be only so much here we, we can do. And, and I think like, this is ultimately the thing with, with Snyder is he's never going to admit fault ever. This is why it just goes down and down and down on some level. Um, and you know, this is sort of the ultimate thing he's saying, no matter what happens, it's not my fault and you have to deal with it and you have to protect me from it. And I don't know how the NFL works its way around that. So to me like that, you know, it, it, you know, regardless of what the ESPN story is, you know, how does the league handle that perspective? How do they, how do they, you know, do that? I, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know the, the, the legal possibilities or, 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 you know, how that all works. If there is jeopardy and, Look, ultimately, maybe there isn't any real jeopardy. We don't. We still don't know what's in the Mary Jo White report. But the fact that that post story came out the day before the Don Van Natta story, which at least implies or suggests some illegal activity, even though, as I said, somebody I look, had look at it said he doesn't think there's anything criminal really. I, that that to me is the most interesting part. I think in terms of what, how does the, how does this all end? Yeah, I mean, first of all, in the Van Natta story, I think you're probably right. I mean, look, I mean. He deceived his uh, shareholder, his his minority investors and, and shareholders, by not getting approval for the fifty million dollar credit line, and he deceived the bank. I mean, he but the bank ended up giving him the loan. You know, it's like all of us have taken out a loan or refied, you know, on the house, and it's like you know they ask you for you know pay stubs and you know appraisals. The list of all the things he provided them everything except for the fact, uh, except for a very important piece which they continued to try to get from him and he never gave to them. But he's not going to jail for that, you know. And it's been settled. I think Goodell's got a problem with that. Uh, I don't know why, or a guy that they really wanted out and they didn't like for a while, Goodell protected him as much as he's, he's protected him. Now, he's got, you know, his job is working for the owners, but he's also got, you know, a responsibility to every shareholder of an NFL team, including Shar Rothman and Fred Smith. And he was in many ways, you know, the commissioner was dishonest with them. But anyway, um, back to the post thing that you described. Um, yeah, I mean, I said today that it's weird, but, you know, with all that's been said and done here the two of us about Dan, he ended up getting a great deal on what he purchased the 40% back from, you know, Shar Rothman and Fred Smith. He paid $875 million. That's a $2.2 billion valuation. And now he's looking to sell the team for $5.5 million. So he made a boatload of money off of buying that 40% back. Um, I'm surprised that they, you know, get a better deal themselves, but I think they just wanted, you know, out. And, and I would say with respect to the post story, the one thing that struck me was I know that the league's pushing back on the indemnification request or demand, but Dan actually has a little bit of leverage. They want him out so badly right. because this market has been such a low bottom earner for the league. They want him gone. They want this market rejuvenated. They don't want all of the headaches that he brings to the, to the league. Um, and so maybe he can get something out of him. In addition to maybe some indemnification, 
you know, I suggested to this guy, Josh Cosman from the New York Post on radio, I asked him, do you think there's any way that the league would forgive some of the, the loan that he took, he took took from them to pay off? You know, because there was the Cronky thing where they forgave some of, um, uh, of, of, that, of the loan he had. And he said, yeah, there's the possibility that that may happen, um, that it might happen. So he's got a little bit of leverage here because they want him gone so badly. But at the same time, he also has to sell. Um, yeah, we'll I, see how far the league goes to, to get him out. I still question whether or not they would vote him out. I know the Post story said they're, you know, that they would move on him if he doesn't sell. I still am not 100% convinced that, that they would get three-quarters of a vote to vote him out. It's never happened before. Right. This would be a good guide to, to vote out, and it would be the right move. But I wonder, but, you know, the part about Jerry Jones brokering like a peace deal, like a, a peaceful exit, that's what they really want. Yeah, no, uh, for, for sure. It's, uh, it remains wild until, I have to say, throughout this whole process, the last few years, until it's done, don't assume it's done. Every time well, there's been so many twists and turns, we keep assuming. Um, I think it's going to happen, though. Don't you? I mean, I'm pretty sure. It's gonna I, I think today the mo- the other thing that was most interesting is it puts a bigger spotlight on the idea of his finances, which is to some degree always played a backseat in this whole conversation because everybody's been looking for the legal angle, whether it was Congress or the, or the various right. investigations. Um, I have to roll in a minute here, but before I do, just a quick thing. Let me ask you this: So, Deron Payne gets the tag today. Not a surprise. We, I, I reported this. We all kind of assumed it was going to happen. But the news dropped at like 3.35 in the morning. Tell me if, I'm, if my conspiracy hat's on too tight here. They dropped it at 3.35 in the morning, and then they officially announced it at 8 o'clock in the morning with the ESPN story coming out in between there. Because like they don't have to give Deron Payne a tag until March 7th. Rivera said today. Yeah, Rivera said I today. I didn't know that. It really did. Yeah, Schefter, Schefter dropped. I I have insomnia. If I happen to wake up, Schefter had just tweeted this at three thirty-five in the morning, more or less. So why would you do that? Again, they have until March seventh to apply the tag. Rivera today yeah, when we spoke to the Vanatta story. Was well, exactly. That this could mask it. Like really? Did they really think this could mask well, that story? Right, and plus, like they announced the coaching, uh, some staff changes. To yeah. today so yeah right i mean i'm just thinking like rivera said that they did it to show how strong they were about wanting to keep pain well, we already knew that so yeah I, I i'm just saying my conspiracy hat smells something here on this one with the timing of all these things yeah, no i i did not know i mean i when i got in this morning i saw that you had tweeted it out and i thought it was kind of early but i just figured it was something that maybe they sent out last night you saw this one um yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll we'll talk more. Obviously, I'll be on your radio show Friday, and maybe make a podcast appearance this week um, on the Kevin Sheehan show. Appreciate it as always, and uh, never dull. Never dull. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate it. <laughs>